Good Saturday morning to everybody and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast. Along with Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Hey, Rob. Good morning. Great great to see you, my man. Good to see you again. How are you? I'm hanging in there, hanging in there. How was your week? Pretty good this week, you know, moving along here, getting into the summertime, I guess. Well, no, it's still April, but I mean... The weather, though. Well, the weather, you know, it's Connecticut, because, you know, watch, you have these 80-degree, 70-degree temperatures, and then, you know, we could have uh, freezing rain uh, and... Well, I, I, you know, whatever. I'm from Florida. I love the hot. So the better it gets, the more I like it here. Um, but with that said, you know, we were talking about it last show, too, that I like more the, I guess I would call it like just everyone's aura during the summer and spring. It's oh, like everybody's in a better mood. Better mood. There's less depression. People are out and about. People are feeling good. Listen. There's a pep in the step. There's just socialization going on. We're not all cooped up. And I just feel like life is better. There's a name like for that. that. That seasonal depression, which right. is in the winter where it's darker early, it's colder. Well, now we're climbing out of that. So, But there's a name well, cabin fever. Cabin fever my, okay. Jimmy J, producers say, <laughs> no, that's not the technical term for it. But essentially, that's what it ends up becoming. Um, it, it now traditionally late March into April, you start to see the first wave of houses getting on the market. I remember over the winter, my town of Newington saw only I think I, I we had four or five houses. That was it. Yeah, uh, that was on. I'm like, I'm looking on Zillow. I'm looking on Realtor.com. I'm like, that's it. These are four or five. I'm waiting. Used to be page two, page three. Now I'm starting to see, you know, double that, triple well, that. Yeah, so like we've been talking about. It's on still this nowhere show. near where you know. Look, it's not going back to what it was. I think uh, the statistic I read was that during the last housing bust, there was four million homes for sale nationwide. Now in the current market, there's less than a million. Okay, we talked about supply and demand like you don't have to take out a math or a calculator and figure math on a sheet of paper to know that a million homes is way less than four million. (laughs) So that's the reason why I think we're going to keep seeing that support of home prices. But as you alluded to, Gary, we hit that time of year where people that were thinking about selling finally start pulling the trigger. And I think we're going to start seeing more and more homes come on the market over the next 30, 60, 90 days, as we normally do in the spring and summer. I don't think we're going to see an influx of properties. Absolutely not. I don't think we're going to see a glut of homes sitting this on the market. This year or for the... Th- for Just the- for uh, this year is all I can really say. Okay. I can't really speak years out, but... Because so much could change, right? But right now, all of the economics are there for like really, really low supply and really, really high demand. Even if another 20 homes came on the market in Newington, there still wouldn't be enough, right? There wouldn't. There's just more people that want to buy than there are homes to be able to be sold to them. So I'm very hopeful that we'll continue to see that escalation in home, not uh, home values, but more so home listings, right? But with the new listings coming on the market, there's new buyers coming in to get those listings. There's new people getting pre-approved right now that had also been waiting for the spring and summer. Maybe for their kids. Most people, it's because they don't want to pull their kids out of school. So by buying in that spring and summer, they can close in like July, August, get the kids in the new house, and then get them in the new schools without skipping a beat. So this is something every year we see this zigzag, this ebb and flow. This year is no different, but I think it's more embellished because we're coming off such low inventory. So let's hope that continues. Okay. There's always hope. Um, when, When someone is, I don't know, 
closing in on a mortgage. They want to close on their mortgage. Um, good God, we could use the best of advice, right? I mean, yeah, like, everyone like, gets really, really worried about the closing process. Well, squirreling money away for a close. There's a there's a closing cost, yep. and you know, don't Attorney's financially fees, strap down your, payment. Right, what do I right. need? What don't I need? What did I already pay? Like, I get it. It's so confusing. It really is, and. You know, not to get ahead of ourselves, but like one of the big things is if you're listening right now and you're stepping back going, I'm closing on a house or I'm in the process of buying a house and I don't know what the heck to do. I don't know what my next steps are. I don't know what the closing looks like. I don't even know when the closing really occurs. Well, number one, this show is for you. You're going to want to listen the entire way through because we're going to tackle all that. But number two, if you're having those doubts in your head, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus here, but it's really time to have a heart-to-heart with yourself and maybe with your other professionals to figure out who you're working with in this transaction, meaning your real estate agent and your mortgage lender. Them being the main two that are going to be holding your hand through this process and ultimately through the finish line, which is the closing. So if you're not feeling comfortable, you don't have that trust, and you don't have that framework or that game plan, then I think that's where we have to start, you know, is just kind of redoing and recalibrating and at, at the very least communicating and saying, hey, I'm confused. I need help. What do I need to expect? Well, here? all right. So I, I was told put aside 10 grand for a closing cost. It could actually be less, but you'd rather over. It could be more, it, too. I'll tell you, if you're buying a two million dollar home, it's a heck of okay. a lot more than 10 grand. All in right. Closing if you're buying, it's all relative, I suppose. Yes. What, what are how much are attorney fees? How much is the the um uh the inspector? How much is he going to charge? So Gary, so- I wanna I wanna step back from that because everything that you ask is a valid question, but every single person that's listening is going to have a different answer. Okay, your home inspection might be five hundred, theirs might be four fifty. Your appraisal might be six hundred, their appraisal might be four eighty nine. So yes, those are valid questions, but not. Until you know what house you're buying, not until you know your price point, not until we have all these other variables. What about an attorney in. fee? Attorney's fee also. Some attorneys charge seven fifty. I've seen others charge three grand. Exact same attorney in Connecticut. What's the difference? Well, one may be, you know, mainly focused on high net worth or higher end properties. They're gonna charge more, more complicated scenarios. A big discrepancy. Well, then you may have one. The main attorney we've had on the show that I use, Keith Hathaway, gives my clients an amazing deal. And this isn't for everyone, so I'm not gonna tell the price, but he gives a really, really low price to my clients that'll smoke any attorney ever in Connecticut that I've ever seen, but he gives great service. And he does that because I send a lot of volume through. So again, your attorney fee might be different. And if someone's doing a loan with me and using my preferred attorney you're darn right their attorney's fees less than that guy in greenwich charging three grand okay so that's very very important but there's different things that happens during the closing process all right right? let's let's talk about that what exactly does happen i mean kind of walk us through the different steps different steps so as we're leading up to the closing we're going to have the clear to close the clear to close is when the underwriter says They basically check a box and say, we've reviewed everything. You're ready to close. Okay. And that's a huge part of the process for celebration. It really is because you as the buyer, most of your paperwork is done. Like the mortgage process is coming to a close. Okay. We're at like third base headed for home at that point, you know, (laughs) so you're almost done. So clear to close. Once that's completed, then typically I facilitate the scheduling of the closing at that point. So I'm going to communicate out to everyone, the attorneys, the realtors, we're ready to close. We're ahead of schedule or we're right on schedule, right on track. 
and we try to get an idea of what the closing date's going to be at that point. Schedule the closing, potentially even schedule the exact time and location of where you're going to go for that closing. And this might be a couple days before. It might be I have a client right now that's three weeks they're doing this, and they're not closing for three weeks. But they still have their closing scheduled for the end of April, you see? But they're still doing that now. So mm. it doesn't have to wait till the last minute. The next thing's going to be the final numbers review and tabulation. So there's going to be a closing disclosure or a settlement statement, depending on the type of loan that you're getting. And it's going to detail all the fees, the attorney's fee and all the, the appraisal fees, loan origination, all these different fees. It's going to outline... And two very other two very important things it's also going to outline are how much money you need to bring to the closing, meaning send your attorney for the rest of your down payment, closing costs or whatnot. And number two, and arguably even more important, what's your final monthly payment on the mortgage, right? Down to the penny, including everything, what is that monthly payment? So we're going to finalize those numbers, and that can take a couple days, even a week or more, depending on your attorney and how quick they do that. So once that's done, we're going to review it with you. I'm going to sit down, the way I do it is I sit down with my my clients typically over the phone and we'll spend between 10 and 20 minutes going over the entire disclosure top to bottom. I give them all the important information. I have a whole checklist that I review. Side note, I had a client moving to Connecticut from Sydney, Australia, just oh. closed a couple weeks ago, and he wasn't able to do it on the phone with me because of the time difference. So we had been facilitating a lot over video. So I did a screen capture video where I brought up his closing disclosure and I recorded a 10 minute video, just like we were on the phone, showing him on the screen, all the different fees and charges, everything he needs to know. And let me tell you, he wrote a review afterwards. And one of the main things he said in the review was how much he liked having that video reference. And I saw he watched it several times. So that's an important part is reviewing those closing numbers. Then you're going to wire the money or get the cashier's check to your attorney. However, they're going to want the money for closing. And then you're going to do the final walkthrough on the property. Typically, you'll walk through the morning of or the day before closing. You'll sign all the final paperwork and you'll get the keys to your home and then move in. Are you there so that that's day? it. Depending, I mean, I've had people close at my office. Usually, though, they close at an attorney or their realtor, and typically also the seller and the buyer will close at different times, sometimes different locations as well. All right. I mean, look, closing day, it just it, it can be very nerve-wracking um, for, for home buyers. Maybe explain what they can expect on the actual big day. Yeah, so, you know, you've had this buildup over this mortgage process, which could be a couple weeks to a couple months. And you want to make sure that you have it smooth. You don't want to have any hiccups on that big day, right? It's almost like your wedding day Mm. for buying a house. So (laughs) what you want to do, just some best practices, make sure your funds are with your closing agent or closing office ahead of time. I usually recommend that my clients send their money the day before or even a couple days before if they can. It just makes sure that the money's where it needs to be and there's no hiccups or issues waiting for it. If you need to do a bank or cashier's check, that sort of thing, go in and do it. Don't wait till the morning of the closing because there can be delays if you do that. The next thing is you're going to want to do your final walkthrough, typically with your realtor, and you're going to do that the morning of the closing or the day before. I wouldn't do it more than a day before the closing because what if there's a flood in the house the more you know the night before what if something came up and and there's a issue with the house and you did a walk through a week before closing well if that issue just came up you're not going to be able to call it out so i really think it's a best practice not to do a final walk through more than 1 to 2 days ahead the next thing is you want to make sure that you show up to the office where you're doing your closing at the scheduled time you have no many you have no idea how many people i've had i got told last week that the buyer showed up an hour late for their closing 
that's not professional. You're wasting people's time. Like you're buying a house worth many hundreds of thousands of dollars. Treat it like you're showing up to work. Treat it like a business and show up on time so people aren't waiting on you. Unfortunately, that does happen. So be on time. Be prepared with your forms of ID. You're going to need at least one, sometimes two forms of identity, right? Driver's license, passport, some sort of government photo ID. So have that ready. You're going to go and sign the final paperwork. This is your chance to ask questions. If you have questions in Connecticut, you have to sign this in front of an attorney. Talk to the attorney. Ask your questions. If they don't know the answer, call your loan officer. Like I've had it happen, not often, but I've had people call me, say, hey, I have a question on this number. Hey, what's this fee for? We can handle it. We can address it. But once you're done signing, it's a done deal. So (laughs) let's do it ahead. Then what's going to happen is the the documents that you sign are going to be sent into the mortgage company for a funding authorization. And they're going to want to see the proof of funds. Where did you get that money? that you sent us? What bank account did it come from? If you showed us that you had money in Bank of America, but you're sending money from Citizens Bank, there's going to be a problem. Okay, we have to know where that money's coming from. It's called sourcing your money or proof of funds. Okay, so that's really, really important. And then usually if it's during the business day, within 20 to 30 minutes, the funding department's going to look at all the documents, make sure that every signature that needs to be there is there. No uh, dates are missing. Nothing's missing. Everything's initialed. And then they're going to email back and say, you're cleared for funding. If there's a problem, they're going to say, hey, you're missing this on this page, or we need this, we're missing this. Then we have the opportunity to go back and forth and get it. But as soon as they give that funding authorization, that's when you get the keys to your home and you can move in. So I've heard lately, uh, quite often actually, a term called cleared to close. What is this all about? Yeah, so cleared to close is a term that's thrown a lot online, especially, and it's it's almost people act like it's the closing, but it's not. It's like going through – I don't even know what to compare it to really, Gary, but it's really like a walk final – a walkthrough at a wedding. You're at a – I mean I, you're ready to go. In other words, even though the closing day is yeah, going like to be tomorrow, rehearsal. if you were right now, you were ready to go. Yeah, so yeah. The, the, clo- the clear to close means that we're at the final step is the way that I would say. Like you've done all this work that you've done, all this – time that you've put into getting this mortgage and getting this house, it's now come to fruition. We're now at the final stage. Okay. So almost look at it like you found your soulmate, you've gotten engaged, and now you've set your wedding date. The wedding date is equivalent to the closing date, right? Mm -hmm. So now you're ready to go. I guess that's probably the best example. But what clear to close actually means is that the underwriter has cleared all of the major conditions on your loan. So If you think back to a show we did a while ago about the underwriting process, when the underwriter looks at your loan, they're coming back with questions. They're coming back with concerns and items. Well, once they've given the clear to close, it means you've satisfied all these conditions. We're we're, uh, satisfied with what you've provided to us, and we're now going to give you the clearance to move to that final step. We're now going to give you the clearance to schedule your closing and move into your home. So you now have the go-ahead to move forward. That's what clear to close is all about. When it, when it comes to getting the final numbers, though, for the closing, how like how far in advance can you expect to receive yeah. them? Yeah. So years ago, when I started in the industry, it was normal to not get your final numbers till the night before the closing. Oh. I even had some times where you'd be closing at 3 p.m. and we wouldn't have the final numbers till 10 a.m. that day. 
That's that's really, really tight timeline. So not to get political, but there were some new laws put in place, you know, around 2011 or so that changed some of this stuff. So you had to have a lot more time to ask your questions, view everything. So the law is that at least three business days ahead of your closing, you should have, if not the final, final numbers, very close. All the fees should definitely be finalized. If we're waiting on anything, it's like an oil tank adjustment, propane, that sort of thing. But other than that, at least three days ahead. Now on a refinance, you should know those numbers minimum three business days ahead like payment your cash to close what debts we're paying but on a home purchase there's different parties involved like we've discussed so your mortgage lender might be ready with their numbers but the seller's not ready yet so in those cases it can get squeezed out it can get pushed out to where you have to have those numbers at least three days but i mean i try to do it a week or two ahead you know that's what i always try if there's only one little number we're waiting on from the seller's attorney or something we can get you everything else we can tell you what your final payment is how much money you need for closing within a couple hundred dollars right and then right before the closing a day or two we can get down to the bottom line penny you know, but that's more common on a home purchase where, again, there's a lot of different parties, a lot of different moving parts. Um, but again, you know, your lender should be communicating with you because the TRID law, it's called TRID, T-R-I-D. It says that you have to have these final numbers at least three business days ahead. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Uh, along with Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. If you'd uh, like some information, more information uh, on on uh, on Rob, check out his website at www.robgw.com. Uh, and his phone number, very easy. It's 860-413-3938. By the way, if I spoke too quickly, I'm going to repeat all of these points of contact more towards the uh, end of the show. Rob, when you receive the closing documents, how much time do you have to review them before actually signing on the dotted line? Yeah, so when you're talking about the closing documents, you yeah. typically, for a home purchase, you're going to need to sign them that day. Something my company does is we send the closing package out on express closings, which are hybrid or electronic type of closings. You could have the closing package a week ahead of time or more. So you've got plenty of time to review it ahead. If you're doing an old-fashioned wet sign closing, you're going to want to ask them for the closing documents ahead of time because if you don't ask them, then 99% you're not going to get them till the day of the closing. So if you're someone that's very analytical that wants all that information ahead, you have to ask for it because they're not required to give it to you ahead of time. Um, and you know, it's going to require like an extra accommodation for you. So if you're a, if you're buying a home, then that copy you get ahead of time is going to be like a read only copy. You're not going to sign that copy. It's just to look it over. But once you sign them on the closing day, it's a done deal. There's no rescission period or anything like that. So take your time reading. I've had people sit in closings for two or three hours. Um, not usually, but sometimes. So take your time reading it, ask questions. There's an attorney there and pick up the phone and call your loan officer. If you're in doubt, if you have any question or concern, I know that if I have a client that's closing, I find out when they're closing and I make sure that I'm available during that time. So it doesn't happen often at all. I mean, I'll tell you, Gary, I get a call less than 5% of the time at my closings. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard there's loan officers that get calls at every closing because they don't go over everything with the client. But I get calls very seldom, but I want to be available if there's a question or concern to address it then, not have you waiting in limbo or anything like that. Now, if it's a refinance on a primary home, there's a three-day rescission period. So after you sign, there's actually three business days before they disperse the money. The purpose of that three days is to give you time to reread everything. You'll sign it, but it's not actually binding until after the three days. God forbid 
you see something there you don't like or you have a change of heart, you can sign a rescission notice or cancellation notice and send it in and the entire loan will be voided and canceled. And you it lose will your not deposit? go through. Well, this is on a refinance, oh, so there okay, is no deposit. Okay, I got you. Um, I, I'm kind of curious about the the the, re- the whole rescission period. Mm-hmm. Just explain maybe a little bit about it. How yeah, it works. so rescission period is this time that you have after signing the documents that allows you to back out of the deal yeah, or but- cancel the deal. Okay, this is not applicable when you're buying a property. I want to be clear. Home buyers, whether you're buying an investment, primary or second home, there is no rescission period. Oh, you sign, okay. you leave the office, you're done. Like you bought the house. Even if you a minute later come back and say, I don't want to buy the house, it's too late. With a refinance on a primary home is the only place that this applies okay. is a primary home. Then you have the three-day rescission period. It doesn't count Sundays or holidays. So keep that in mind. But that gives you time to ask questions to the loan officer, reread, and make sure you're getting the deal that you thought you were going to get and if not you can sign it and cancel right. the whole thing you clarified it thanks i was a little confused here what, what kind what kind of info is typically included in in the closing disclosure and, and, and it really is there is there anything that the home buyers should kind of pay special attention yeah to, so or? one of the things that i like with the closing disclosure is that it gives you really all the main relevant information that you need now years ago we used a different form called the hud one settlement statement it was a little more confusing some people like that one more some people like the closing disclosure more i can't say i like the closing disclosure more but one of the things i do like about it is it gives you a lot more information about the mortgage it gives you a lot more information in one place about the loan that you're taking, about the property that you're buying. So really, we're talking about all relevant information. What's your interest rate? Is it fixed or is it an adjustable rate? What's your monthly payment? Does the monthly payment include tax and insurance? Whether it does or not, what are the tax and insurance on the property? Are there homeowners insurance, or excuse me, homeowners association fees? Another thing is cash to close. How much money do you need to come up with to close that deal? After they subtracted, say, your earnest money deposit, your appraisal fee that you already paid, that sort of thing. So all that's going to be on there. The page two of the closing disclosure has a full breakdown of all of the fees, the mortgage fees, the attorney's fees, the appraisal fees, the um, recording charges to the state, title insurance fees, literally every and any fee that's being charged on that loan, you're going to be finding detailed on page two of that closing disclosure and all the disbursements being done, debts being paid off, mortgage payoffs, that sort of thing. You know, of all the documents that are included in the whole closing package, what do you think are the ones that are the most significant? Yeah, and this is a major source of contention, Gary, because a lot of people see a mortgage closing package, which could be hundreds of pages, and wonder, oh, my God, like, which ones do I need to worry about? Which ones don't? And look, I'll be blunt here. Most of the stuff in the mortgage closing package is a CYA document, if you know what I mean, written by attorneys to cover the mortgage company and come up with every possible legal scenario to make sure they're protected. With that being said, as a home buyer, which ones do you really want to focus on? The closing disclosure. We were just talking about the closing disclosure or the settlement statement by far is going to be the most important because it's going to show you all the important parts of that loan. Again, interest rate, fixed or adjustable, monthly payment. Can the loan balance go up? Is it a balloon mortgage? Is it a prepayment penalty? All these things that we used to have to like dig deep into documents. Now it's just all shown on the closing disclosure. So it's very easy to figure out what deal you're getting right there. So that's number one. Number two is the promissory note. The promissory note is a written agreement, which contains the details of the mortgage. 
mortgage. So it'll go even more in depth on like foreclosure processes, delinquencies, things like that, and, and how that works with your mortgage. And then the last document that I would say is arguably the most important, at least after the closing disclosure, is the actual mortgage. The mortgage is the document that secures the promissory note to the property. So it ties that loan you're taking to the property that you're buying. Those are the most important. Listen, you and I both know technology has been changing the mortgages industry, most industries, yeah. actually, in, in a big way. Just really, I'm running out of time. Just talk briefly about the different types of e-closing options that there are available yep. now. So it seems like the further we get in time, the more in vogue these become. So electronic closing is where you can sign most or all the documents for your closing online. Um, they also allow an e-note, which is an electronic note. It used to be required to be signed in pen in person. Now they allow it to be done electronically. There's a hybrid e-close, which combines an, an e-close with a regular closing for the notarized docs. The stuff that has to be witnessed by an attorney is done in person in wet sign, but then the other part's done online through an electronic uh, process where it's all secure and everything. And then the last one's going to be called RON, which stands for Remote Online Notarization. This is right now the most prominent uh, thing going on in the mortgage and real estate industry. It's allowing people to not only close on a home, but close remotely where you can be in a completely different location than I am. And I can still close on that home. It uses video calls, zoom. I, I actually, I can't say zoom for certain. I know there's certain specific protocols and software that's used in the legal industry that coordinates this remote online notarization. But this is becoming to be the big way and the next thing in mortgage because people are going to be able to literally be sitting on a beach on vacation and closing on a home right here in the U.S. The docs can be signed online. They can be notarized via webcam with an attorney or a notary facilitating. That's huge. All right. Last question. You've got a minute and a half to answer because we're running out of time. Um, The future. What does it hold? What do you see? You know, if you were to, if you had a crystal ball, kind of looking into the future, the closing process for mortgage and how it's going to change in the future. I think the new developments that we're looking at are quicker closings. You know, when I was starting in the industry, three four weeks was normal. Now we can close in one or two weeks in some cases. Okay. You know, so that's quicker. Using new technology to make the process more seamless, electronic appraisals, automated appraisals, artificial intelligence appraisals. Imagine home inspections being done by artificial intelligence, things like that. That's going to like move this mortgage and real estate process so far ahead. I believe that you'll be able to buy a home within seven days in less than five years. I really do believe that. From beginning, the process to the end? I do. I do believe it. Now, there are certain technical uh, legal things that need to be changed because legally... It's supposed to take longer than that to give you time. But once the legal catches up with the tech, you're going to be able to buy a home and get a mortgage in seven days or less. Well, I truly believe that. Absolutely. And you're going to be able to do it on your own time and in your own location as well, let me add. Future looks bright. Folks, uh, you've been listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast. If you'd like more information on the discussion today, as well as any of the other topics that we've had in the past, simply head on over to Rob's website. It's www.robgw.com. Incidentally, if you have a question that you'd like to have answered, maybe right here on these very airwaves, simply email Rob. It's easy to do. Um, it's Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. And by the way, if you'd like to set up a consultation with Rob, uh, here's the phone number. Write this down. I know it's the weekend. 
Uh, you can certainly you can call him on the weekend. I'd say give him a call first thing on Monday. Write it down, though. 860-413-3938. Let me repeat that for you. 860-413-3938. Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thanks so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast. Until next Saturday, have a good one, everybody. So long.